Hello, and welcome to We Like Stuff and So Should You. Um, show where we talk about stuff we like, and we hope that you like it too. Yeah. What? I don't know. It just oh. seemed appropriate. Okay. So, if you've been following along with us last week, we talked about some stuff we found scary that we really enjoyed, um, and today we were going to talk about some sad stuff that we really enjoyed. But However, instead, we decided to continue with stuff that scares us that we enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I guess that's appropriate. Um, we decided to watch Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 last night without yes. having seen the first one. Yes, I have seen it oh, well. many a year ago, but I don't really remember it in any way, shape, or form. It's one of those movies that you watch and instantly everything about it you forget because it's so unmemorable. Similar to, well, I feel like the first one tried to be kind of more, did it try to be serious at all in any capacity? Not really. Okay, so it's similar to this one. Okay. Um, now, the reason we have Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 and the first one... Um, we got it in a double pack. Uh, because was, we're masochists. Um, we I, bought the DVD, so yes, we have it forever. We own it. Um, I originally, um, in liking a lot of the McElroy content, they do a podcast that is called Till Death Do We Blart, um, where every Thanksgiving, and this has happened five years in a row now. Haven't you talked about this on the show? I don't know about this specifically, but let... I think you have. I might as well remind everybody. No, it's great. I'm just okay, saying, cool, like, cool, if cool. you go back, you might be able to find Brennan talking about that podcast yeah. specifically. Um, yeah, where they, they do... They literally watch every Thanksgiving uh, or around that time. It's the McElroy brothers and then two other guys from, I think, New Zealand. I can't remember their names, but um, if you look up Till Death Do We Blart, you'll find it. Uh, they watch Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 uh, exclusively every year and then review it. Um, and it's just a wild ride. Uh, my interest in Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 came from listening to them describe it in horror and then in some slight recognition. They, they were kind of, some, some of them were happy with it. Some of them didn't know how they felt. Some of them did not watch the first one either. Uh, I think one of them had, and that was their experience. Um, and it was a whole thing. And... Yeah, it just piqued my interest, so we, we got it like sometime last year. We only watched it last night, because why not? Um, and we're going to talk about it. Because we, we don't have to make this a yearly thing or like a continuous thing. But that movie is the wildest movie I've ever seen in my entire life. And I've seen purposely, uh, purposefully bad movies, and I've seen bad movies that were meant to be good. And this is a bad movie that was meant to be good and funny. And it didn't do that okay. uh, in any capacity. Yes. So, shall we start from the very, very beginning? It, so, I, I was thinking we, we can, like, break it down. Before oh. the title screen. <laughs> <laughs> when you own the DVD, before you get to the title screen, there are every seven, single... There are seven every, movie previews. Yes. And they are all Kevin James movies. So, let's just think about that for a moment, Okay. We skipped every one because Kevin James is very unappealing to me as an entertainer. I can, I can. Because his comedy is either so self depreciating yeah, that it's like it's wild, and I just can't 
it's not fun to watch someone do that to themselves. Or it's like he's trying to play this role that's like he's cool or something. I don't really get it. It's like trying to be who he's not. Yeah. Um, but when he's trying to be like how people perceive him, it's so self-deprecating. But it like doesn't have to go there for it to be funny. And it's like, not. It's not even like. It's not even worth it. It's not like it's funny if you're like, oh, I guess fat people are dumb and stupid, and like that's the joke. That's always the joke. Yeah, it's not funny. And. And so, yeah, so there's either, like, this weird type of casting that kind of casts him as this person that doesn't really work, or you have, like, this weird self-deprecating humor. And this is what we went through at the beginning of the movie, um, which we skipped a lot of it. Yeah, so I I kept skipping, because I was like, oh, yeah, like, this doesn't have, like, a title menu button, um, or, yeah. Um, So as we were skipping, I just, I thought I got to the last one, and it wasn't. It was the second last one. Um, and it just played, and it was just... I don't even remember what the movie was. It was just Kevin James... Oh, in the zoo? Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Apparently he works in a zoo, and all the animals have been able to talk for the entire time. And he almost got married, but the girl he wanted to... the girl that... It's always Kevin James after these, like, really, like, ridiculously, like... Um, like, I'd say women that fit exactly into beauty standards yeah like you have a stereotypically uh like attractive and beautiful white woman um that is like there's no real reason why they're like together like and that's not to say that like they couldn't be together it's more that their personalities don't fit they're like the the woman is clearly like um, like rich and posh in that kind of manner so like material value is more it, it's it's just it's so wild that they even had a chance to begin with and then like she dumps him and he and she's like oh I couldn't I couldn't imagine being, being married to a zookeeper which is a lot the zookeeper it, it, you need so much training to be a zookeeper and that's besides and, the point point. and then a man is like maybe you should be a car work in a car dealership instead of working at yeah a like having some kind of like, sales job what a weird flex <laughs> <laughs> come and work at this car dealership instead of working i mean it was like a fancy car dealership but still, but still and so then weird. so he goes and he's like he's at the zoo just like venting i guess and he's like oh, i guess i'm leaving this place and then all the animals come together and they're like hey paul bart or whatever your name is in this movie uh we're talking now and you're an idiot and we love you so we're gonna teach you how to be a proper animal and that's the movie yeah anyway um we digress from the purpose do we though maybe we'll watch (laughs) that zoo movie another day it seems like a real charmer i get maybe we what we should really do we could make it an entirely new show. It's like a like a special. Kevin James. Just all those seven movies. We'll oh. just run through. Um, anyway, so we we get through the seven previews. Seven. There were s- oh, at least six. I probably skipped a bunch. Like there was at least six Kevin James movies in front of this Kevin James movie. Yes. To remind you, because that was a very long time. Paul Blart Mall Cop Two. Yes. Which I have not seen the first one either. Well, um, I have not seen the first one, Melissa. Anyways. And let's just begin with how wildly 
I would say inappropriate. <laughs> this so, movie starts. Yeah, so this this movie is clearly cut to be a comedy. There's no doubt about it. Um, and I guess at the end of the first one, he like he got the girl and they got married and everything was fine. And I'm a hundred percent sure. I'm like I'm pretty sure I heard it in the, the Till Death Do We Blart um, podcast. I'm pretty sure they couldn't get that leading woman back to the film a second one. So within like. He's sitting at home with his mom, uh, just hanging out, and he gets a letter in the mail that's just like, hey, six days of marriage, I'm gonna divorce you. I ain't about this. Like, she apparently had cold feet, and I don't, I haven't seen the first one, but I can't imagine that makes sense. Yeah, she literally just sends him divorce papers in the mail, and the first two minutes of the movie is just like a recap of like, oh, he saved them all, he got married, and then... Six days later, his wife divorces him. Yeah, we, we, we definitely couldn't get her to be in this movie, and we had to write her out somehow, because that doesn't make sense. But, like, that's the way? Like, it's just... Like, they could have made any time... Any amount of time yeah, could have passed. it, it could have... It actually was six <laughs> years, okay? Six years pass in the first, like, couple minutes of the movie before they go to Las Vegas. It's been six years. So, they could have made any amount of time pass before they got divorced, but they chose six days. But his daughter is the same? I'm No, his daughter's older. I'm pretty sure they said it was six years since no. he saved them all. No, you're right. I just, I wasn't, I was confused, Melissa. I have no idea the timeline of this Paul Bart movie. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. Paul, like, they, they do state that, um... There is like a like he did it so long ago, so nothing that he does right now kind of matters, kind of thing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was six years, but you can fact check that. And then it's like, okay, so why pick six days? First of all, that's wild. That's not even a week. That's oh my god, it was six years because it was originally the first one was originally released 2009. The second one was 2015. Like they actually just called it. Anyways, that's so stupid. Continue. So anyway, not a full week. Of marriage and then divorce like what who chose that <laughs> i don't i just don't understand and okay and so that's one thing and then paul blurts alone at home but at least he has his mom and his daughter you know yeah two years go by i'm pretty sure he's just sulky mess are you sure it's only two years continue and then there's a lovely little scene where his mom goes out to get the paper from the street and all of this happens within a minute within like the t first five to ten minutes of the movie two years later his mom goes to get the paper and just gets hit by a truck yep just uh, gets by, hit. by a milk truck to be to be exact um where which he states i wasn't even aware they still uh they still drove around the city um to make and, it comedic because the death of his mother tragically violently is just like they just need to write people out so you have a divorce which in itself is incredibly serious and sad and then the death of his mother again incredibly serious and sad treated so inappropriately within the first five minutes of this movie and then we flash forward to four years after that yeah so six years in total you're right um and it's it's 
they do it so comedically and so inappropriately, but it's supposed to build this like tension of Paul Blart having a like having a an emotional attachment to everyone in his life, and that's like it's supposed to be a but huge. It does not do that at all. <laughs> he barely even looks sad. It's like his mom dies and he shambles away. Yeah, no, because they do it as, like as a comedic thing. He's like sitting in his chair, he, like reading the news about it or like reading whatever about it, and he like vibrates off of the chair and then does like a waddle like a like a 180 waddle into the kitchen or something it's so ridiculous yeah um and then yeah i guess because it's six years after the first movie um his daughter is getting ready for college um at, or university and she gets a letter from ucla which I, I can't remember where they're based but like she'd have to move states and whatnot um, and he gets a letter from a Las Vegas uh, mall security convention um, that he's been invited to. Um, and they both coalesce to give them each other these, this news. And his daughter, his probably like 17 or 18 year old daughter, is so emotionally grown and aware of her own father that when he says, we're going to Las Vegas and uh, this is very exciting, and I, I like we're we're I'm doing this thing because I'm still a mall cop. Um, she decides not to tell him because she knows how fragile he'll be about her leaving. She mm-hmm. he didn't even know that she applied. So, so that that was this like it set Again, the mood. It's not funny. Exactly. Like, what is the tone of this movie? I'm so confused about <laughs> it the entire way through. Like, is it? Oh, just it's to, supposed to be funny. Just to set the tone in reality. Um, they kind of give you like a snapshot of Paul Blart still being a mall cop. So he finds like a lost kid, um, and he brings her bring, brings a kid to their mom, um, and the mom is like, "Hey, honey, uh, give the give the man a hug now. He 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 rescued you." And, and even Paul Blart was like, "Hey, ma'am, uh, this kid doesn't want to hug me. It's fine. It's okay. The, he he clearly doesn't want to." And the kid's like shaking his head, and the mom is like, "No, sweetie, you hugged the man. He saved you." And he's like come on ma'am uh he really like this isn't and then the kid like slaps him and it's like this very humiliating thing because a lot of people in the area see it and like they just cut away it's literally like that scene the death of a loved one and the loss of a partner all in like five that's just sad like everything about that is just sad yeah his life is sad and it's horrible and they're like it's not the way to set up a comedy. It's just, it just isn't. It's so wild. Okay, so you get past that, okay? Then you get past that weird moment that Brennan was just talking about with, like, the, the child. The child. Yeah. Who has more um, emotional development than Paul Blart himself. Um, and then they go to Vegas. Wow, they're there. It's yeah, Vegas. they're just immediately there. Yeah. Uh, which is fine. Like I, I understand if you're, especially if you're doing a comedy, you. It doesn't matter the journey. Like there's a lot of things you can cut. I didn't want the journey. <laughs> Imagine Paul Bart at an airport. Oh, oh no, he wasn't. It was the. Uh, it, well, it was, yeah. Well, I don't want to see that. Yeah. I really don't. So they they get to the hotel in in Vegas, and like the valet service, he's the the valet person comes up and is like, hey. Let's. You want me to help you with your car and stuff? And, and Paul, Paul, good old Mr. Blart is just like, no, this definitely costs money, and I'm a cheap dad. 
Um, so we get that joke just to really solidify his kind of character. Um, it's very funny. It's oh. It's Hilarious. really great. Actually, there's there was there was a there was like two legitimate times that I did laugh, and I 100% remember one of them. Okay. Um, I do not actually. I know I laughed. I know in my heart that I laughed a second time, and I just don't remember where. Um, so he gets to the uh, the the desk clerk. Are you just like reliving this? Movie I guess. in your head. Yeah. I am too. <laughs> I'm like wow. I do remember a lot. <laughs> so he gets to the desk clerk, and there's this whole interaction. It's very wild. Um, they sneak in that there's like a, a mini kiss band uh, that I guess is playing because it's Vegas and you have all sorts of weird shows and they're like just little people dressed up as kiss um, and then I guess he gets recognized so Paul Brett gets recognized by the token sassy black woman yeah. um, which is just a wild thing to me I didn't realize well it's like 2015 it's also Kevin James so I didn't expect much but when I saw this I was like oh I was emotionally past this, and now we're revisiting this this weird trope. Um, and as like a sign of camaraderie, she knows about his his dealings in the six past six or the last six years about how he's like saved okay, that. But mom. also, imagine I know he did like a lot. Apparently, but like because he did save a mall from like I don't know. Was it like a bomb or something? Like there's these robbers who kidnap people. <laughs> really remember to be honest but, which is like but, which is a weird thing because as a comedy six set six years apart literally and and like figuratively they expect you to half watch the first one there is continuity i have no idea what paul blart did but in the also first movie. no one else knows because <laughs> no one cares and they don't bring it up like they don't explain it because it's irrelevant. He's still living this high. This is the other reason why it's sad. He's oh, still yeah. living this high of like this thing he did six years ago and he thinks he's all that. But no one else cares and no one else knows about it. Except the, for this one woman. Yeah, and they, like they constantly gives, remind him. Gives the viewer this inkling of hope that Paul Blart Balcott means something. And then that's just ripped away from it's, us, the and, viewer. And we get to my first like hearty laugh my first real laugh where as a physical comedy uh, segment she does like she i guess she attempts to do like a punch in the shoulder or like a slap on the back she knuckle punches kevin james in the throat <laughs> and like he is clearly in pain he probably has like a fractured uh, larynx and she's just like, ah, you got it. You're so good. And he's just like, ah, okay. okay. And it was very funny. They can, they do know how to film these physical comedy segments very well. But it's just... And it's a big but. Oh my god. Um, like, there's just so much wild with this movie. Like, the, they rely on physical comedy a lot. But a lot of it has to do with the fact that Kevin J. or Paul Blart is, like, overweight or fat. So they have a fight scene later on. Oh, before we before we cut What's, ahead. Yes. Well, I don't want to actually just reenact the movie, but... But. I we mean, do have to kind of set up. We have to set it up. I mean, I first... I think the next thing we should talk about is the, the daughter. Oh, yes. Because she, throughout the movie has this, like, love interest boy who she's just trying to, like, hang out with and have fun with. 
and it is not sinister or like weirdly like not weird but like it is like she's not like trying to be like weirdly sexy with the daughter's the only normal person oh my god oh my god she also the villains the villains are actually really the villains are dope yeah and they are somehow trapped in this movie yeah (laughs) it's honestly yeah um the villains are great and the daughter is great it's just the only problem is kevin james and all the mall cops oh so yeah at this convention as well we're introduced to maybe five more different mall cops um and i don't remember their names or anything about them Something like Scutterbutt or something. Oh my god. There was actually there was one brown dude that just constantly kept falling asleep. I actually enjoyed that gimmick. Because like serious things would happen and he would just be like knocked out. And it would be pretty good. Um, and there is there is a scene, again, I will cut to this fight scene just a little bit. There's a scene where they all kind of like assemble to like Paul Blart needs his crew to fight these other people. And the brown guy comes in wearing a cape and they address it. And they're like, hey, why are you? Why are you wearing a cape? And he's like, you needed me as soon as possible. I was getting a haircut. And like, there is a a simplicity that I really love in kind of comedy where it's like, this makes sense. Like, if my friend needed me and I was getting a haircut, that would be it. I would be out the door. And I understand that, so that's why it's so funny to me that he came, he was literally wearing a cape, and he like it was just so earnest. It wasn't a joke. It was just like you needed me. I was getting a haircut. I came as fast as I could. Yes. <laughs> it. I don't know. I I understand it's not that funny. That was no, very good. good for me. It is good, but I would like to turn the attention. Yeah. To my favorite scene in the movie. Okay, which one is that? Where there's many to choose Kevin from. Kevin James, aka Paul Blart Mall Cop 2, he gets attacked by a bird. Oh while, boy. While a man <laughs> plays a song, <laughs> plays classical music on the piano the entire time as he is being absolutely destroyed <laughs> by this bird who is literally pecking into his face and yeah. his body clawing him. So to get with the physical comedy, like they, this is a scene that you can remove from the movie and it would have no bearing on anything. No, it does. Because later he uses that bird. I guess. To do what? To, to distract? No, to attack one of the bad guys. Yeah, but the bad None of the bad guys get stopped. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying. <laughs> like, no, but like, it has that bearing because of course the bird is a dangerous thing, but like, it's, it's just... Anyway, let's just quickly set this scene. Paul Blart comes into this nice, beautiful little like oasis area. Really nice. There's a man playing a song on the piano. Smiling there like a lot. Like his face is stuck in a smile. He's just <laughs> playing the piano. Paul Blart comes in, sits on a bench. This bird comes over and starts beating him. It's a very large bird, actually. It's probably like four feet tall. And it's a very unnecessarily long scene where he is being beat oh up my God. by a bird. It's like, so that's the other problem with it. Well, problem is relative, but like that's the other thing about this movie. Some of the scenes, like some of the gags, they last 
far too long. This bird scene is probably a, an actual full like five to seven minutes where this man is playing the piano. You hear this beautiful piano music and you like this man, it's like a classical like resort piano player where he has to kind of ignore his surroundings to be able to just concentrate and be like that, that happy, fun face for the crowd, which is just Paul Blart in this scene because he came outside just to kind of like recollect as all these stressful things that are happening to him. And this bird comes out of nowhere we have no idea why this bird is here, if this bird is a part of the resort, um, you know, anything of that nature. And he just gets thrashed by this bird. And every time he looks over at the piano man, you see the piano man just like, you know, still playing um, and like having that like false fake smile. But like, you know, this piano man is having the time of his life watching this guy just get obliterated by this bird. Yeah. And then at the end of the scene... Paul Blart walks by him because he finally gets away from the bird. And he's just like, isn't there someone you could call? And the man <laughs> just keeps playing the And piano. like smile, he's just like, he does that like knowing smile like, yes, of course, thank you. It's so, <laughs> it's so wild. And again, like, I know that I was trying to defend it as necessary just because I thought oh, it was for sure. really stupid. But like... But it is totally unnecessary. You're right though, because that scene... It wasn't Kevin James that made that scene. Or the bird. It was the piano man. It was the piano man yeah. that made that. That scene was beautiful because every time it cut back to that piano man, I thought I was dreaming. I thought I was living in a dream sequence um, with Kevin James, with Paul Blart, where this piano man just, like, existed as, like, a like a demigod. Mm-hmm. As if a god came down in earth form and was like, yes, I would like to see how the world actually works. Yes. And um, he leaves and he's like, I hate it here. Oh my god. And yeah, we never <laughs> see the piano man again. I would have loved to see this piano man like during some other fight or some other... Anyways. Um, yeah. Just to kind of play on the fact that there are gags that kind of run on too long. We are introduced to the fact that Paul Blart is um, diabetic. Yes. Um, and if his blood sugar goes too low, he'll kind of like just conk out. Um, which... In a, in a series of sh- kind of stressful moments, uh, kind of near the climax of the movie, um, he actually does just pass out. And I was very confused. I like I completely forgot that he was kind of... It like... happens a lot in the first movie, too. Oh, actually? Okay. Uh, yeah, I completely forgot that he was he hypoglycemic. <clears throat> just to go off of what you're about to say, which I think is the scene you're about to talk about. Yes, 100%. Um, in the first movie, if I recall, because it was so nasty, he... Is in the same state as he is in the second which, movie. Th- which they kind of in- show they show it off as like a superpower. Like yeah. that is the delivery we get. Please continue. Um, and it's very similar to the scene that Brendan's about to talk about in the second movie, in that he is like passing out and needs sugar. That he goes and starts eating this lollipop that's just like been partially licked and been on the ground. And it's all like hairy and has dust all over it, and he starts Ugh. eating it because he needs the sugar. And then in the second movie, we get this little so, scene. So, in the second movie, he passes out, and an undetermined amount of time ha- passes, and he, like, snorts awake. He's like, he does the classic, like, <laughs> and he, like, looks around, and he's, like, he's too weak. He's clearly too weak, and there's a family, like, maybe 20 feet away. Um, the dad is carrying the child who's eating an ice cream cone. And the ice cream cone is dripping. Classic child. You know, that's, you know, this is realistic. We have Paul Blart, a uniformed mall cop, on the floor. Also, he, like, does no one... Like, yeah, no one's helping him. No, he's just laying on the floor. It's, it is a very crowded Las Vegas, like, hotel that they're in. Yeah. 
So he is on the floor on his face, and he like not to not to further kind of project the the kind of making fun of a fat person, but he genuinely looks like a dolphin or whale on the floor trying to position himself under this ice cream cone that's clearly like you can see behind his head it's clearly splattering all over the floor he then flips himself over it's literally so disgusting and positions himself underneath this ice cream cone which we then get a full minute i didn't time it it's at least 45 seconds we get almost a full minute of ice cream dripping onto his face eyes neck and mouth where maybe a full teaspoon gets into his mouth um where he basically like I, I've also, done like, a, I've done a good job at not swearing and not being like vulgar on this show to my to my best, and I've kind of slipped up here and there, but who cares? Relatively, I can't describe this as much as I want to because of what it exactly looks like, and I will end it at that. This man is covered in droplets of pink ice cream, yeah. and it's not like. It was funny because it was like, oh, like, yeah, it's treated as a superpower. He needs his sugar and then, you know, he's back in action. He is underneath this ice cream cone for a full minute. The the, the kid doesn't look down. The dad is, like, on a phone call so he doesn't rec- it's also realize. Like, imagine walking by and seeing someone <laughs> doing that. Like, it's just... The he, most disgusting. He's covered. It's just he's covered in pink ice cream. It's like okay, you're someone seeing him. A imagine just being someone like sitting on a bench, watching this man scoot across the floor, arrange himself under a child's dripping ice cream, like which you see has already dripped. Like it's behind him. Yeah. It's, when they set up the scene, there's drops of ice cream behind then, his head. And then you watch. Imagine all the people he walks by. Like with all well, he's this covered cake. in ice cream. Yeah. What is? I, I I understand we're not looking for continuity or realism, but like, no. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. And so we get we get this like full on gag about it, and it's just it's like there's no laugh track, there's no reaction from anybody in the public, and they hard cut from that to like him doing something else, and he gets like all of the like. Another scene that that is similar, not exactly the same, because, like, obviously that was, like, one of the wildest scenes I've ever witnessed. There's a scene where he gets startled uh, in the beginning of the movie uh, by the, I believe, just the general manager of the um, hotel, which, that relationship, so he gets startled by the general manager of this hotel um, because he was asking for her before when, you know, th- the room that they got was like something like they were too small and he was supposed to be this keynote speaker or he thought so. Um, and the, the, the concierge at, at the desk at the hotel was kind of like throwing, like blowing him off in that regard. So he was like, I want to speak to your manager. And the concierge was like, well, she's kind of busy right now, so I will do my best, but, um, you can go. And it was that like kind of classic thing. So they go to breakfast or whatever, or lunch, and then the general manager comes over and startles him, and he does, like, the most ridiculous, like, white person kung fu, like, and he, like, waves his hands in front of his his, his body um, as the general manager woman 
um, just comes along and like she gets startled too and he's like oh you startled me you know like I'm, I'm just like a I'm a quick witted and he says some nonsense words because just describing how like quick in his mind he is um, and she she comes up to him and says you know I I apologize for the way you were treated um, we do recognize that you are part of uh, the the mall cop uh, convention that we're having this is all great um, here here's a complimentary room upgrade uh, thank you and then she gives it to him and she does she awkwardly it is very awkward it is a, like an odd thing for her to do sorry that's okay it is an odd thing for her to do but I, I will give her the benefit of the doubt because if I touch this man's hands and his hands were very soft I would probably admit to him as well that um, when she gave give him like the voucher, she's like, "Oh, your hands are very soft too. That's I didn't expect that." And then he immediately internalizes it. He's like, "You're flirting with me." And yeah, she's like, like, but he no. says it. He says it in a hundred words yes. over the course of five minutes. Yes. And her his daughter is reacting and being like, like he's silently like, being like, "Dad, please don't." He's like, "I see what's going on here." I, uh, I, oof, I, I've been through a lot. I can't really be with anyone right now. And she's like, what? And then the biggest, most horrendous reveal of the movie is that she actually was into him. Yeah, she was, she was like slowly How? falling in love because apparently like the morality of him is so genuine and his character is so genuine, which is like, again, we're not trying to say that people like someone like him could not get a conventionally attractive like stereotypical woman of that nature which she is very skinny i i think she's very pretty but like that's not yeah. that's not like an overarching thing but like i'm not saying that i'm saying that she knows nothing about him he is a bumbling mall cop which is not a bad and profession every but, time that she's seen him he's just made a fool of himself and he's just like outright been like you know you clearly are into me, but that's okay. And she's like, I'm I'm not, though. Stop doing that. And he was like, your upper lip is sweating. And then she was like, oh, it is? Does this mean... Like, it was like the revelation of her, like his notice of her bodily reaction of maybe just being flustered from this man trying to convince her that she does have an attraction was like, my physical body is reactioning, uh, reacting. Maybe I do have an attraction. And then she, like... I guess she deconstructs that whole thought and is just like, I, I, I like this man. Oh no, what do I do? And like, the she, her boyfriend is the head of security at the at the um, hotel. the hotel, um, and he's also conventionally attractive, but he's he's also more in the sense he's he's kind of played off as like a dick or like just like a jerky kind of person, but not in like an evil way. He's just like, hey. You're a mall cop. I'm a like a real like a mall security. I'm real security. There is a difference. He he is like demeaning because you want to like hate this man, but he's not a bad dude. He's just like I unfortunately am better than you, which you shouldn't say to like anybody. That's not a nice thing to do. Um, so we're like given all this information to hate this man, and it's like I don't though. He's doing his best. Also, you're clearly flirting with his girlfriend, and it's like, I understand, and like, they don't overtly say it, but it's like, she she clearly has autonomy, but don't do that? Yeah, it's really weird. I don't like that whole relationship. And then at the end, she, like, basically breaks up with her boyfriend to be with him, and he's like, 
I'm the bigger man here. I don't think you should do that. And she's like, what? She, he's like, yeah, you should go and be with that other guy. And then they point to him. And for some reason, as like a negative thing, because this man potentially lost his however long time girlfriend to this random cop with this random security guard that showed up. He is ugly crying, which is appropriate because I would be very upset if a random man showed up and Melissa was very like into them for whatever reason. And then they pointed out, Paul Blart points to the man and it says, you should be with that man over there. He is a good, oh, well, he's crying. He's just full on, he's full blown crying. And then they zoom in on him and he's like ugly crying. And it's, it's I guess it's supposed to be like the funny gag. And it's like, why, why, why is this? Why, why are we making fun of this? Yeah. The man is upset. He's about to lose Brandon, his relationship. Nothing about the comedy in this movie makes sense. And that's what we've talked about. Everything that's serious is like tried to be played off as funny. And it's like, it's a serious thing. But I don't mean to shift gears. But I would like to mention something else, if you don't mind. Of course. I'd like to talk about the real hero of the movie. The real hero. And it is not Paul Blart. And it is not the mall cops of America. Is it his daughter? The real hero of the entire movie is Oatmeal Concealer. Okay, yes. Basically, let's set this up. Let's go back. Before before we get into this, we need to describe the villains because we actually have... I was have... just going to okay, say, very let's good. go back and talk very about good. the villains and then we'll get to how Oatmeal Concealer saves the day. Um, so the villains, we have a group of like, kind of like a crime syndicate who are stealing high value art from the casino. Um, and the villains actually have like a lot of really cool gadgets and techniques and personalities. And they actually have like, they're actually like cool and interesting to watch, which is wild in comparison to the rest of the movie, which is almost unwatchable. Yeah. So let me, let me just look up exactly who... Um, the villains are I need to find okay so we have Neil McDonough if that's how you pronounce his name he's like the main bad guy he's very good he's amazing I like as soon as I saw him I was like oh no why is he in this movie uh, <laughs> um, we have um, credited as DB Woodside um, the kind of like his second in command what else has he been in um, oh that that doesn't mean anything to me um, so the, it's those two. Oh, he was in Romeo Must Die. That's cool. <gasps> and he's the, he's the guy in Lucifer. He's the he's the black guy in Lucifer. Um, so you have those two really excellent, like very serious actors, very good villainous um, um, characterizations. Um, as these so these villains, their whole ploy is that this this hotel that they're in um, houses like legitimate classical art like Van Gogh pieces and I'm not sure what else but they focus on Van Gogh a lot mm-hmm. um yeah and so again as I said they have all these like cool gimmicks they're staying in the presidential suite there's like this cool collection of criminal people um the only reason why Paul Blart gets involved at all is because his daughter goes to a party with her male interest the the valet man the valet boy and they basically go up to the presidential suite because it's so big they um the 
boy who's the valet, he like knows someone in housekeeping, so he gets told when people check out. Early. And they were told that those people had checked out. However, they were still in it in one of the rooms, like with some of their stuff. Yeah. And the daughter goes wandering off in the suite. To make a phone call, I think. Yeah. Um, and she um, runs into them and they basically kidnap her. Yeah. Um, or no, they chase her, but she has the time to make a phone call to her dad, um, who, um, had the chance to, um, to actually, um, listen to her. (laughs) Yes. And, and answer Uh, the call. Sorry. What I was going to say, I got distracted. Um, he had the chance to do the keynote speech, which we never Uh, talked about because the man who was going to do the keynote speech passed out. Well, he was weirdly flirting with a woman, and she was being harassed. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you reminded me. That was the worst thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, so we we get, we get, we cut to, um, way previous in the movie where it, it Kevin James finds, well, Paul Blart finds out that, um, he's not going to be the keynote speaker. Some other asshole, um, uh, mall cop from another mall is going to which like they have this weird rivalry like they just they just start like crapping on Paul Blart and they're like ah six years ago nobody cares anymore like everybody doesn't care except for this black sassy woman um and then we cut to a scene in the bar where the the keynote speaker is like drunk and trying to flirt with this woman where Paul Blart comes in and is like hey what's going on and she explains that apparently no means continue to flirt with me um, I don't want to be around this man. And Paul Blart, being the sober voice of reason, states that, hey, you're a beautiful woman. Give this man a chance, regardless of how much he's harassing yeah. you. He's like, he's the keynote speaker. He's a great guy. And she's like... You, you know what? You're right. Yeah. It's like, how is that the way to address someone, like, sexually harassing someone in a bar? I don't know. Very inappropriate. But then... He just... Okay. He, yeah, he just gets drunk. Like, he, I guess, I guess he drank too much, the keynote speaker, and just, like, passes out. So, Paul Blart gets the chance to take his spot, and he tries to call his daughter a million times to be like, Hey, I am the keynote speaker. Um, and she... Um, obviously doesn't answer because she's at the party with all of her younger people who are her friends and her dad's like very overbearing and a lot so she's trying to escape that and then while he's doing the keynote speech um she in the opposite fashion tries to call him a bunch and he keeps ignoring it because he's doing the keynote speech which was actually a very good speech it was very like it was uh, again, the comedy was self-depreciating because he basically is like, hey, us mall cops, we're ugly, fat, and stupid, and slow, uh, but we mean well, and we do the job because we may be called ugly, fat, stupid, and slow by everybody when we save a child that's been lost, like the beginning of the movie where we saw we didn't get any recognition for except for by the mom, and the kid like actually legitimately slapped us. That makes it all worth it. And everybody cheers and he, like, he does this really great job. But he silenced his phone like seven times during that. Yeah, and his daughter is in trouble. And so at the very end, he finally answers his phone and it's the daughter. And she's like, please help me. I'm. They're after me. And he's like, what does he say? He's like... Uh, oh, like, oh, like you, you must be making. Basically, you're, you're making mountains out of uh, anthills or yeah. molehills. And then she's like, "No, they're coming at me right now with guns." He's like, "Oh, 
misread that. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, that was his legitimate reaction. He, like, they, he hears through the phone, like, them breaking the door down. She screams, and he's just like, oop, misread that situation. And, and then it like, just cuts. And I thought that he, like, loved his daughter more than anything. And in this movie, it really does not show. Yeah. Like, it's it's such a wild take on, on like, the overprotective father because, like, He's trying, because he's trying so hard to relive his glory of the past, like, that happened six years ago, and trying to, like, ride that wave as low as that wave is getting. Excuse me. Like, him trying to be, like, an overprotective father is being shafted by him trying to be just selfish about feeling good about himself. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So then, they, um, they kidnap the daughter, and... Q montage of Paul Blart going to the convention and grabbing a bunch of the tools that, that we did see before. That we saw previously him trying them out. And he grabs a bunch of this stuff and then he goes and he's like, Yeah, it's time to take out a bunch of guys. Which he, he somehow does. He gets on like this heavy duty, uh, what is that thing Segway. called? Segway. Um, and it was like, it, it was clearly supposed to be this like badass reveal where at the beginning of the movie at the convention, you see him peek behind these curtains and sees this Segway that we clearly know what pretty much is, but we don't actually physically see it. And it's like, oh, we're going to get that later. That's going to be the big reveal. And he gets on the Segway. It looks like, uh, like Batman designed a Segway, um, which is like kind of cool relative to being Paul Blart. And then he's dodging bullets, four real bullets on the Segway, shooting people with like non-lethal ammunition. So like beanbags and like all sorts of things to like knock them out. And then we get to this fight scene where Paul Blart comes in with the, like the, the big painting that the, the bad guys wanted. Um, and he, he wants to trade it for his daughter. So he, he tries to do this trade. Um, but also, I don't know if you were going to say this. Uh-huh. Because before, he's individually taking them out. Yes. One by one. But then they all come back because like it's been this running joke that he only uses non-lethal force. Yeah, like they all come back. And he's like, what? I took all you guys out. And he's like, oh yeah. That's what non-lethal means. I just means. shot you with beanbags or tased you for five seconds. Yeah, it's just an insane thing. So, and then he calls his own, like, league of mall cops, which we get all the mall cops coming back. Um, And, like, it's just, they win because of circumstance and not because they are good. The only, like, kind of saving grace is that the Black Sassy Woman is actually a good fighter and she just takes all these punches and demolishes people, which I, I don't want to applaud them for being good at... Like it's not representation. I don't no. want to. I don't want to give them that. But it was cool to see like this this black woman just run people down, and yeah. that was cool for yeah. the for the single act of that. Yes. Um, but like again, another part of the physical comedy. Um, the, one of the like women bad guys like jumps on Kevin. Uh, well, yeah, Paul Blart, and like tries to take him out, and like by choking him, and he falls back and just crushes her with her his body and then he starts flailing about he's flailing like a fish you keep hearing all these sound effects like cracking and breaking bones not literally as she's just like passes out and he just gets up and runs after the the bad guys that like they 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 went to go do the deal and then like they clearly just took the daughter and ran away and it was just insane 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So then they figure out that the bad guys are, like, on this other building oh, with the helicopter. You're right. I don't, the whole reason we rewound to introduce the bad guys and, like, their their plots and stuff, to, to I, I need to touch on two things before it gets too late. One thing, they actually have really cool tech. One of the coolest things I ever did see in the movie, that was a weird thing to say like that, um, they basically, they um, isolated one of the security cameras and put like a black uh, like semicircle around it that had pictures inside the circle of the surrounding area. So when they put this black circle around it, it looked like a security camera, but on the inside it was just reflecting like nonsense images. That was super cool. And they were using all sorts of like weird technology and I was like, that's really cool. At one point, the daughter as the daughter and the, the, the valet guy, as they're kind of like hiding out and trying to like be sneaky, like being trapped in this um, this presidential suite with the bad guys, one bad guy is just like, hey boss, you want an oatmeal cookie? And the boss is like, are you insane? I'm definitely allergic to oatmeal. That's That'll kill me. And that's it. Yeah, it's a very, very weird scene that literally... Like, the weirdest Chekhov's gun I've ever seen. Yeah, because then at that point, you're like, obviously they're going <laughs> to defeat him with oatmeal. Like, that's, like, the most obvious thing ever. Um, and and, and to, just to, to further the Chekhov gun thing, um, at one point at the party, uh, the valet guy comes up to the daughter and is like, hey, I got you this snow globe kind of thing and she's like oh that's so sweet and he was like yeah it was either this or um like moisturizer or concealer no it was moisturizer no it was sunscreen yeah so the worst thing is is that it was sunscreen unless there's a scene in the first paul blart mall cop movie where this daughter for some reason has oatmeal concealer there is no reason for us to legitimately think why she has this on her and I'm not saying that you always need to do things like that. You literally, like, ex machina us, or whatever the the phrase is. Well, let's get there. You're right, you're right. I'm jumping ahead, I'm jumping ahead. The bad guys are on the roof of the building, a different roof. And so um, Paul Blart and his mall cop conglomerate, they get to the top of the building, and someone, for some reason, has this very long-range grappling gun. Which I don't think is seen, again, in the convention. It's yeah. just show, somebody's just like, well, it's a good thing you have us as friends, and he just whips out this this hook shot and just shoots it like so far. It's like, like insane. Like across the entire Vegas Strip to the other side of the Vegas Strip, and Paul Blart somehow has the upper body strength <laughs> to carry him across that gap. To the extent where there was like a knot in the, the the line as well, which he has to like go over, so he's constantly like dangling. Yeah, I really don't know how that's believable in any way, shape, or form. It's not. And so he makes it over to the other side where um, the bad guys are trying to get away on a helicopter. Um, Paul Mart has like some gadgets on him, which again, I'm sure are very heavy and adding more it, weight yeah, to him going across. Um, and the bad guy comes over to like get the daughter and he's like get up and he has a gun and she turns around but surprise it's just paul blart wearing a black wig yeah that apparently he got from one of the 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 little people kiss band thing that i mentioned i specifically mentioned because i wanted to be sure that you know that we had this scene where we saw these um these people in this kiss get up and somehow in between something we have no idea how and where Paul Blart went 
found these people, found out where they were performing, took, took one wig. of the wigs, and then didn't tell them, like, it was just, Because we, for some reason he thought that he would have to impersonate his daughter. Right? Like, what? <laughs> what foresight is this? And then he turns around, it's Paul Bart, he, like, pulls out one of the gadgets was, like, this glue gun, which was great. Because, it's also, like, I was just gonna say, yeah. like, it would make sense if like you knew what the bad guys were doing and you had this like plan to like subvert their yeah. plan but they were just making it up as they went because they had no idea what the bad guys were gonna do they Which knew is... that they were in the suite so if they did it there maybe yeah but it was like they were on a roof trying to get away like there's no way to know what they're gonna do so it but... made no sense and it's fine like it's fine to figure it out as you go but like what they clearly did considered planning for like it's just it didn't make sense so he uses the glue gun on the the black guy bad guy which i i don't remember their character names the whole movie is wild i don't remember anybody's character names no. except for paul blart because it's uh, so he he gets the guy with the with the glue gun glues his hand to the thing uh, and then the main bad guy comes out and he's like yeah i'm gonna get you too and he shoots it he shoots this gun and it jams we don't know why it jams or it, like if it has problems we weren't told any of this information it just does yeah. and if I couldn't tell you, describe properly, how the ice cream looked, this gun, the the glue is the <laughs> color and consistency of what we're all thinking about. And it just, like, it just explodes, like, a very slow, like, drippy, yeah. it just drips out of every crevice of this gun, and it just covers his feet, so we have this whole scene where he's, like, clearly glued in place. It's just insane. And then, like... I don't know why. I can't remember why. Um, because the, the the main villain has eyes on Paul Blart. The daughter just comes out of nowhere from behind. And With a, a handful of oatmeal concealer. Yeah, you, you, we get the scene where she goes into her bag, which I don't think she had for any part of this scene or movie, because she was at a party. Why would she? And it doesn't matter. Also, like... You would think that, like, the bad guys would take away her stuff. Anything, yes. I don't know. So she goes into her bag. We get this quick shot of her cramming her hands full of this oatmeal concealer. And then also, smashing... Also, having oatmeal concealer is a very weird thing to have. Specific. It can't be that good. Wouldn't it be chunky? I'm... Digress. I don't know. I feel like it's a real thing, but I don't know. Anyway. She she jumps on this dude, smacks both of these hands onto his face from behind. And then he just, like... Breaks out. He breaks out. He's screaming in pain. Paul Bart takes off his shoes because he has access to that. Jumps on the dude and just, like, knocks him out or some nonsense. I have yeah. no idea. Yeah, he gets out of the glue foam. It's just... It's... It is... The worst and least satisfying um, takedown of a villain I've ever seen. Let me tell you, like, we are nearing the end of our show. I loved almost everything about this movie. This movie sucked. This was the worst movie. Like, I, I could almost guarantee you my entire life this was legitimately the worst movie I've ever seen. Yes. Um, and I had such a good time watching it. But it, it wasn't even like... Because we went in it knowing, knowing. it was going to be bad. But it, like I was describing this to you last night. There are movies that try to be bad and can pull it off and sometimes they're just bad. There are movies that try to be good but are bad. This movie tried to be bad and was bad at being bad. Yeah. Like, it, there was no redeeming qualities. The Excuse tone me. made no sense. The tone was all can over the place. Can we just quickly... Yeah. 
I just want to mention the scene at the very end of the movie. I don't know if we were going to get there, but I just wanted to have time of course. to get yes, there. Yes, please do. Um, so the end of the movie. Well, Paul Bart gives up the 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 general manager girl, and he like she he gets a kiss from her, um, which as she's leaving after the kiss, he's like, "Oh, that felt very good. I made a mistake. I should not have given you up." Very weird. Very weird. Takes away everything redeeming about him. Yeah, like, he he made this moral choice to be like, no, I am the bigger man. Um, as, like, probably a literal and figur- figurative joke. Uh, and then immediately regrets it, which is like, I, I, I don't feel bad for you? What's going on? Yeah. Um, so, his daughter goes to UCLA. Yes. And he sees a security woman riding a horse. Is it, just a, is it a police officer? I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's a police officer because she's about to write him a ticket. Um, right. Because he jaywalked and almost got hit by a car or some nonsense. Yes. And he goes over to, like, talk to her. And he's, like, looking her in the face. And he's, like, something about, like, yeah, we're fellow security officers. And, officers arms, yeah. and, and she's, like, well, I could have guessed from the way you were looking at me. Very weird thing to say. And then she starts writing something down. He's, like, are you still going to give me a ticket? And she's, like... No, I'm gonna give you my number. Maybe we can go get a drink sometime. And he's like, I don't drink, but I do ride. And he slaps the horse on the butt. And he gets... He dies. (laughs) He dies. He gets kicked by this horse in the stomach. Which the horse's leg... The whole thing is CGI. one leg kicks, which a horse would never do. I'm pretty sure. I don't think the body can move. Yeah. two legs only. And the CGI in it is just unbelievable. Um, we slowed it down. <laughs> yeah, we watched it multiple times because he gets flown into another car. The uh, car is destroyed. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just... It's so bad. It's so stupid. And, like, that's the end of the movie. That's just how it ends. Yeah. But but the fact that he might get a date. Yeah. Um, and um, I guess that's how we're ending our show. Yeah. Um, I... I don't know if I can recommend this movie. I am going to force all my friends to watch it. It is not a good movie. It is. It doesn't do anything good no. uh, in any capacity. It is fun to make fun of, but is it worth? Is it worth it's going an through? It's an experience for sure. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we're gonna end it off there. Um. Thank you for listening. We'll probably do our sad episode uh, next week, maybe. Yeah. Um, thank- I think we should. Yeah. Thanks to Kevin James for making that movie that we could have experienced and shown to whatever fans we have. I hope you're out there and we love you. Thanks to Matt Campbell for our background music. And... Thank you. Th- yeah. Thanks. Thanks for, thanks for going on that journey with us. Goodbye. Bye.